Hey everybody, it's my third shot at a podcast. Um, to all the people in Florida, first and foremost, how is everybody doing? Um, I'm all over the place, scatterbrained this morning on September 30th. All the people out in Florida and on the southwest side of Fort Myers, Tampa Bay area, and good chunks of Florida, um, Godspeed. I hope you guys um, don't have too much death or damage down there. That hurricane looked massive. Um, it's headed toward Charleston now. Looks like there's going to be a lot of flooding. So again, um, heartbreaking. But you know, when you live in coastal areas, this is dependence. You know, and for people who travel down there to like Disney World and go on cruises two days before the hurricane hit, you're idiots. Absolute idiots. There's no other word for it. Um, lots of stories about people going down there and, and doing shit um, before the hurricane hit. And it's incredible. So, um, Godspeed, God bless on that. Next subject. So I'm going to Colorado next week. So I got to be very careful about how much I deliver in this podcast. Because I'm realizing as I'm untethering it in my head that there might be be consequences for sharing too much of what happened last summer on the podcast. Um, but rather than give specifics, I'm going to give general descriptions of what happened and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus or try not to. And if I do, I apologize. That's not the intent. Sometimes the story needs to be told accurately Because it's important, right? To, to give an account of an event accurately. And when you have family members spitting out and spewing out their bullshit to the patriarch and matriarchs of your family and lying to them to save face, it's embarrassing. There are going to be family members in your life, folks, that it's going to be really tough to keep them in your life because they're so incredibly toxic and it's profound. There are going to be family members in your life that you're going to borderline hate. I don't, but I can see, I can see the frustration. But see, I I face a dilemma because... When we had this conflict last summer, we left on bad terms and I didn't want to leave on bad terms. I tried to leave quietly the next day and I was forced and cornered into having conversations with people that simply did not need to be had. They could have been avoided and readdressed later, but we didn't do that. Instead, we wanted to unhash everything on the front steps of my grandparents' house. And on top of that, we had a disagreement with one of my family members who I will not divulge their name because people are super fucking sensitive this this time of the year. I, I don't know what it is. You know, I love how older people say that younger people are so sensitive, right? That they're so sensitive and that they can't, they're not, there's no real men left in the world. 
you know, the world's going to shit, masculinity's... No, I know grown men that are in their 60s that cry when they watch Homeward Bound. Like, this notion that, like, young people or younger people are emotional and not real men is comical. Like, who are you? Like, the people in the 60s, who are you exactly, flower child children? You guys are just the poster child for masculinity. (laughs) I've always been punished for being aggressive. I've always been punished for being masculine. I've always been punished for being truthful. I've always been punished for calling a spade a spade and not being afraid to tell somebody they're they're fucking wrong to their face because I feel like saying it behind their back is cowardice. If you've got a problem with somebody, you need to say it to their face. But you can't do that, at least in my family, on my mom's side, because everybody's so goddamn sensitive. And it's like, well, fair, how did you become this unsensitive, uncontrollable force that needs to stir the shit? No, I didn't stir the shit. Me and my uncle, who got into a conflict, are vinegar and water. We do not mix. We do not fare well together. It's just the way it is. I think he's a greaseball. I love him. But he is what he is. And there's no changing that. I don't hate him. This notion that I hate a family member is funny. But again, you tell somebody the truth. You hate me. It's like talking to my eight-year-old son after I scold him for throwing something across the house or hitting his sister. It's like, you're mad at me. You're being mean. You hate me. No, I'm being correct here. And I get it. You know, as you get older, you don't want conflict. You want easy. You want consistent. You don't want drama. And I get it. When you get older, you get gain perspective. And you're like, you know what? This this is child's play. This is silly. But what transpired was, is like, I won the arguments on every level. And that's not me being blind. That's that's the bottom line. Like, everybody outside of my bubble in Colorado agree with me 100% when I give them the 100% transparent answer. When I tell them exactly what happened and I tell it accurately, there's, there's no doubt. And I even leave gray areas in there for context. Like, maybe my uncle didn't physically hurt my daughter. Who knows? the real answer to that but she had marks on her wrists right so like which one is it guy I'm not making that one up how about we take some accountability for our actions 60 year olds and understand that I know your 80 year old parents listen and believe everything you say to be the truth but that has a lot to do with them just being older and unwilling to reconcile reality because they have their death 
in the next 10 years or 20 years, if they're lucky. Like, they've got bigger things to worry about, like, existing. And you lay out bullshit and lies, and then you make it really personal, and you bring up shit that's not anywhere near relevant to the truth. And now my grandparents have a perception that's not correct. So, like, typically, like, when I go to visit Colorado, I want to see family. I'm going to Colorado for my wife and myself. I love the mountains. I love the trees. There's something very calming about it. And I couldn't live there because too many people live there now. It's ruined. But the mountains still exist. And I'm going to enjoy myself. But I have zero intentions of spending a whole lot of time with my grandparents, God bless them, or my uncle and his wife, God bless them. I want to see them because I love them, but I'm still not past the reality that is you guys say I created damage, (laughs) the gumption, you created damage after the fact, not during, not maybe a little bit before by letting the event happen the way it did. But you're making up realities that aren't true. They're just not factually correct. And the difference between you and I is, is I live 2,000 miles away and I give zero shits. And I'm not apologetic for speaking my truth. Just not. Doesn't change the fact that I love them. I love talking to them about stuff that, you know, I talked to them as kids, as a kid. I still love visiting them and having a good meal with them and and touching base and making sure everything's okay. I love all that. But let's, let's be very clear. I am the black sheep of the family because I embrace challenge. Not a narcissist. The one thing that I have always tried to rethink and retool on a daily basis is the way I'm perceived by others and how I perceive myself. And more importantly, that inflection of reality and how that is perceived by others, my actions and how they appear to others and my self-awareness. You know, that comes in stride with my self-awareness. Like I'm always aware of when I'm not being self-aware, like, holy crap, how does this look? For instance, and I might be getting really personal here. Um, I take showers at night and in the morning I don't typically because I work from home. When I worked in the office, I take showers in the morning, but I've got to get my kids ready for school. I've got all these other things that have to happen typically in the morning. So I have to rush a little bit. So I don't take a shower in the morning is the point. And I typically, you know, when I go to the bathroom, getting really personal here, I use baby wipes. Okay. I am absolutely terrified of putting them down the toilet because I had bad, I had a bad event when I bought my first home in downtown Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. Um, We had one baby wipe wrap around the thing and cause a huge flood in the basement that wasn't cool and then 
Um, when I was a kid, baby wipes were a chronicle of just plumbing issues. So naturally I have concerns about using baby wipes and flushing them down the toilet, but I do enjoy baby wipes, right? So what I do is, is I'll use it and I wrap it in toilet paper and I have a trash bag and I will put it in the trash bag and I will throw it away in a day or two, whatever, whatever works. I don't keep it there for a whole lot of time because that's gross. But my wife saw this and thought immediately that I was doing other things in the bathroom. If you know what I mean. Now, stop there. Very personal. Unravel that reality. The truth of the matter is she was wrong, right? She was 100% inaccurate in her assumption, but that's the way she perceived me. She perceived me to do these things. She created a truth in her head of what happened, despite the fact she saw nothing. And I had to explain to her what it was. And even then she had to think to herself, I don't know if that's true or not. Holy crap, that's gross. And I had to say, do you want evidence? Because I have it. No, I don't want to see it because it might be gross. And I don't want to see that. So she had to take my word for it because she did not want to see it. See, that's kind of my problem with my family in Colorado, right? Is that I have evidence here, but it's really gross. And I want you to believe me. You called me a liar, which is already really bad. So here's the evidence, people. Do you want to see it? No, I don't want to see it. Why not? Because it's it's already said and done with. It's over with. There's nothing that can happen that's any good that can happen from seeing it. It makes me feel weird. So it's nasty emotions that you're going to have to reconcile in your head and being 100% inaccurate in that, but you don't want to share it with anybody or with yourself. So you're just going to have to take my word for it. So then we have this half empty, half full glass that sits on the, the counter and I'm perceiving it as half full because I just, I just defended myself. I feel good about myself. I feel like I presented it in a very humane way, wasn't gross about it, didn't make it mean, didn't make it incredibly personal. I even wanted to provide evidence. They don't want to see it because if they have to see it, they have to admit things to themselves that make them lesser. And that's the problem. So they see that glass and they see it half empty, which is the toxic traits that I'm dealing with back home. Nobody wants to take the time to say, okay, let's validate the data that we have here rather than just make blanket assumptions on other people telling you lies or misinformation to make them look better because they have far more to lose by telling the truth. This is this is life, folks. This is this is business, this is personal, this is everything you encounter with human beings as a species. Is you're nobody's the same. Some people are very much the very much the same in some ways and very different in others. Like nobody is the same. The best case scenario you meet somebody and you marry them that think relatively close to the way you think. If you're lucky. So that's my trip to Colorado and 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 I'm not 
I'm not afraid to go and see these people. But I swear to God, if I hear one thing about last summer in a negative way, we'll get our bill and we'll leave. It's that simple. Just because you've been on this earth longer than me doesn't make you wiser. It sure as hell doesn't make you smarter. If there's anything I've learned being on this rock for 38 years, it's that, holy shit, we know nothing. And every single day, I'm learning something different. And I don't feel 38, oh, by the way. I still feel like a kid. Some of my listeners are under the age of 25. And they probably hear my voice and they're thinking to themselves, man, this guy's old. But I don't feel old. I might look at some days when I get out of the bed. But I don't look or feel any different than I did when I was 25, despite the back pain. And anybody under the age of 25 listening to this podcast, that's coming. That's coming. Back pain is coming. Restless nights in bed are coming. And unless you're not eating fast food, you're probably going to put on some weight. So don't eat, don't eat fast food. It's bad for you. Coming from the person who eats fast food. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really... You know, the pandemic, the economy and the state that it's in, the politics, the horseshit going on in Russia. The world's just got too much negative shit going on to enjoy this life. And I don't. I don't subscribe to the way my wife thinks. She doesn't like to hear the news. She does not like to watch it. She doesn't want to see what's happening outside the world. Because she wants to live kind of oblivious and live a happy life, a happy existence. Because her 9 to 5, she's not having to worry about bombs being dropped over her head. She's not going to have to worry about these things. So she just doesn't want to hear about the dark stuff. And I can appreciate that but I'm not the kind of person that just lives this life blindly and doesn't doesn't enjoy um, knowing the truth so the way I think is just different and I get that when I was in Iraq I was in charge briefly during one of my long deployments of being in charge of TCNs, third country nationalists on post. So we had contractors that would come in from Turkey and everywhere else. But my job, because I understood Arabic, was to... Basically, not detain, but to monitor these Iraqi workers. I learned a lot. 
during that time. Like, I bought them all dial soap from our tiny little PX. And I said, go take a shower. Here's some soap. Enjoy yourselves. I bought nine bars of soap. They all used just one. Nine men who don't even, like, they're not related. They don't live in the same house. They, they would spend 20 days on, 20 days off. 20 days on post, 20 days off post. They would, they would bathe and share one bar of soap instead of just each having their own bar of soap. And I asked them, I said, why do you do that? It's easier to keep track of, they say. What do you mean? They're like, it's soap, it's clean. We can share it. I'm thinking to myself, dude, you guys are a bunch of hairy dudes. You guys can share it? That's gross. No, but we won't fight over it. What do you mean you won't fight over it? Well, we have eight more bars of soap and we share it this way. This way we all know that we have eight bars of soap. If all of us had our own bar, we would lose them. And they would try to explain to me this logic. I mean, after all, they're living in a tent. On post. It's not like they're living in the Ritz. And they have... Pillows and a cot. That's it. We had those military style cots with pillows and blankets that they got to use in this tent that was not bad, but it wasn't great. It's better than like a tent that you get at Dick's, but I mean, it had like an air conditioner and everything in it, but they, they weren't living in the Ritz. And then you walk in there and they've got pee bottles and they've their, their, their toilets are disgusting, right? Because they've got... Um, they stand on the toilet seats. And they do all this different stuff. And and again, this is 20-year-old me asking these questions. Like, holy crap, this is not the way I was raised. I'm 20 years old. I've been on this planet for 10 sol- 20 solstices. Like, I know nothing. But in my reality, these people are gross, right? They're using bottled water to wipe their hands, wipe their ass. They're using sharing soap. They're doing all this stuff. These people live differently than the way I do. This is a third world country. When I went to Mexico to go to a, a religious retreat, very much the same thing. Just people living in poverty, they learn how to stretch things out their perception is different the way they see the world is different and it's not that it's wrong it's just their reality and then you realize how blessed you are first of all to be born in this country how lucky you are to have the ability to come and go from these experiences like seeing people in hardships really live and be able to go back home to your hot showers and your and your warm meals. And you just don't realize how good it is. And that's kind of where I'm going at here. Like, the world is falling apart all over the place. And it's really easy to be stuck in your little bubble here in America and, and, and make these... general understandings of people or things but 
the reality is, is you can only be in one place at a time and you've you've only got one pair of eyes and one brain to process it and it's really hard to stay mad at people or to get angry with people when they've found themselves siloed in an existence that is empirical it's just it's just bare bones the basics nothing complicated no gray areas just black and white simplicity big fucking mess I would champion anybody to go out there and experience struggle to experience hardships so they can come home and appreciate things. I think every American in this country needs to spend two years overseas, whether it's with the Peace Corps and the military, like they do in Israel, for perspective. Because you're coming back and you realize the reason why we pay taxes. You realize the reason why we live in this country and why things are the way they are. Because if we were all just benefacting, being benefactors of this democracy, it would fall apart incredibly fast because we're all contributing to our local economies, our local scales. I mean, even in my county, I live in a first world country and and the county adjacent to me is very much a second world country, maybe even third world in some parts. People are living in shanties, like just these shitty little houses that doors are barely able to lock in the front you can see that they're tilted a certain way people are living in these kind of homes oh don't be dramatic fair that wouldn't pass building code no they would barely our old babysitter she lives no more than five six minutes from where i live right now and i would drop her off at her house and she had a four uh four by four no it was like a big piece of wood that was holding up part of her basement (laughs) it's a thing and that's all over America whether it's Flint or or Maui it doesn't matter like there's there's people all over the place living a different reality than yours that's why when I sit down and I have conversations with people and they have different beliefs than me, it's like, great, you think differently than me. Why? What is your perspective? Where did you come from? Well, let me empathize with that. Let me empathize with the fact that you started off way behind me. And you lived in poverty, and you went to a bad school. And as a result of living in poverty and living in a bad school... You met the wrong person and you ended up having kids with them. And then it all became compound interest after that. And your life has been much more difficult. Whereas with me, I lived in lower, lower income. I mean, lower middle class with my, my mother and her step with, with my stepfather. Um, we barely, I barely had, I didn't have a whole lot, but I'm realizing that a whole lot of people didn't have a whole lot either. I had a roof over my head and I had subpar air conditioning in Arizona. That Those are the things. Those are the realities. I didn't have a car till I was 18. I finally decided to break the law, get my license, and then join the military, and then get the hell out of Arizona. 
didn't have any kids, didn't settle down with any regional women, and the rest is history. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that I didn't have any really bad relationships with women that ultimately derived with offspring. And I met a woman that was great, and I ended up having kids. So it worked out. But see, that's where it all starts, right? Is that start, that, that beginning is so, is so important because you don't want to make any bad decisions. And you got to be cautious about them. You've got to be more conservative. But naturally, young people are a little bit more progressive and they want to thread the needle and they want to push the limits to see how far they can go. And you've got people out there that are saying, make as many mistakes as you can until you're 30. And it's like, within reason. Like, yeah, try this job. See if that works. If not, try a different job. That kind of stuff. But don't just jump in and think you're making the right decision. Because everything's relative. So as I wrap this up, you know, this podcast, this, this, this episode is really designed and geared toward the way I handle conflict, the way I handle even conflict with my family, perception, versus reality, um, gathering evidence and, and broadening a perspective. You know, some people don't want to leave their basement. They, they want to stay there and they want to watch their TV and they just want to live on a constant recycle of the last day and they just want to be basic and just be easy and then they want to leave having not felt very much despite the fact that they feel everything and then other people want to be exposed to the world they want to travel they want to experience things they want to experience feeling and emotion and they want to experience the good and the bad and the evil and the great and they just want to they want to see it for what it is and they want to perceive it um, in a sense of logic and try to fix problems and those kinds of people are fantastic but I'm somewhere in between the guy in the basement and the person that wants to see the world like I would love to just live a copy and paste nine to five the rest of my life but I know that's not mentally well for my well-being doesn't help my perspective doesn't help me empathize these are realities like who are you going to be and to any family members that are still listening to this let me let me just say this and I'll wrap it up with this I love you I do even with your shortcomings and my shortcomings and your failures and mine and our inability to reconcile certain realities, I still love you. I do, and that doesn't change anything. What happened then and what will happen isn't going to change how I feel about you. But the reason why I don't come visit and the reason why I don't see you guys a whole lot, if we're being completely honest, is because I am choosing to dose, microdose myself, if you will, with your presence to safeguard myself from disappointment. 
because it's not that you're a disappointment, but our experiences tend to be that. And, and, and rather than deal with that every single day, I choose to see you once a year, tell you how much I care about you, and try to flood you with positive vibes just long enough for me to leave and for the truth to not become a problem. I'm not perfect. I'm an imperfect man. And I want people to understand that I don't live on a soapbox and I and I don't think that I'm better than everybody else. But if we're being fair here, I've overcame a great deal more than most. And I'm not apologetic toward that. And I suspect that other people shouldn't be apologetic toward their successes despite the fact that they were self-sabotaged and sabotaged even by family members along the way. So you can't take credit. And I take most of the credit and I give some of it to my wife's family, but for the most part, I did this on my own. And the reason why I'm as successful as I am is because I'm right more times than I'm wrong. And I take the time to listen to people before I make a decision or before I make an observation. I suggest trying that. Rather rather than listening to other people's reality. It's just not worth it. So with that said, guys, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Really the greatest podcast. Gotta say, it's kind of sad. Not my intention at all. Um, I wish I could go to Colorado and just do mountains of edibles while I'm there. I can't because I have a job. When are they going to legalize weed? When is that going to happen? Because I'm, I'm waiting. I'm really waiting for that. I need it in my life. And the federal government needs to worry about other drugs. But weed? Mushrooms? Like mushrooms, I don't even know. I just want the weed. The stuff that they have out now, I hear, is fantastic. It's like all dosed out perfectly. And you get the same kind of buzz every single time. And yeah. I mean, weed is so much better for you than alcohol. Liquor, beer, nah, it's better for you. Anybody says otherwise is a liar. The worst thing that it could do is help promote your obesity because it makes you hungry, right? That's about it. Maybe you get a good nap. Maybe you're a little bit happier. You know what's funny? And I gotta be careful. Is that I know somebody who, when they first met me, they were so anti-marijuana. Like, so, 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 so anti-pot. And I just said, no, these are these, these are the realities. These are the pros. These are the cons. Like, what is your truth? And they almost stopped talking to me as a result of it. 
They're like, this guy's got to be a pothead the way that he's talking about weed. It's like, no, no, I'm not. Never smoked in my life. And what's funny is, is now this person vapes multiple times a day and I still don't talk to him. He's such an asshole. He just overbears me with his opinion. Well, I'm sorry. They were right. I got into a huge argument. Not really an argument. A disagreement with um, a relative of my wife's about TikTok and how it's on your phones and how you agree to certain things when you download the app that other apps just don't ask for. And they tried to tell me I was wrong. I presented them with some congressional hearings on the subject of the application and it countered everything they said. So I can, again, provide evidence, but if it makes you swallow a pill that says you're wrong and you don't want to hear that, then I can't help you. I can only help get you there, you know? I love being wrong. I absolutely love it. I'm going to tell you why. I love being wrong because it's a learning opportunity. Because I learned something. And I usually only learn things, guys, when I fail. So, like, if I learn something, it's because of the failure, not because of the success. The success is a result of the failure. So, if I'm all know, if I know all this shit, it's because I didn't know it and failed and I learned this along the way so in a way listening to me helps because it prevents you from having to fail as much as I did right and that's like that with anything I watched um, Masons Masonry's put up uh, a new brick mailbox in my neighborhood because a moving company knocked over their neighbor's mailbox and it sat there for like three months until they could get somebody out there and it took like two and a half days to re-brick this entire mailbox, right? And I'm thinking to myself, damn, that's expensive. But like, how many failures did those people have to make along the way to make those look that way? I mean, they look so beautiful. And it's like, they had to make mistakes to get it right. And eventually, they honed a skill and they became specialists and they're good at that one thing and there's nothing wrong with that it's like specialize in life just specialize in failing and succeeding and learning from your failures and moving on it's the best advice i could give somebody fail but don't fail by knocking up the wrong woman or marrying the wrong woman with the worst family or you know going to the wrong school and getting a degree in liberal arts you know, stuff like that. But, you know, life will find a way if you're perceptive and open-minded and aren't critical of every single thing. All right, everybody. So with that said, September 30th, 1045, wrapping up this podcast. I hope you guys had a lovely listen. And until next time, everybody love everybody.